You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. All right, so the kids are heading off to Kids Church, and let's watch this. Every year at this time, we jump into the middle of a story that's been told for hundreds of years. It's a story of cities decorating their streets and their sidewalks. It's a story of trees and ornaments and fireplaces, of gifts and wrapping paper and ribbons. There's expectation and wonder and hope, a deep hope that drives us back to the beginning of the story. Because it all starts here. It starts in a manger with a baby and an angel and a scared teenage girl in love with a misunderstood young man who thinks she's worth it. It's about a child who will bring light into darkness, joy into despair, revealing a God who will redeem it all. God who is leaving the glory of heaven to pursue the glory of a cross. A God who is becoming flesh and blood and skin. A God who is loving and offering all people a pathway back into the relationship for which they were created. It's too rich to comprehend and too beautiful to dismiss. This is Christmas. This is the story of stories. And it all starts here. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that we can know the story of your birth and your life and how you died and rose again and you live today and you want to be actively involved in our lives and you are our Savior, you are our friend. Lord, we look to you in times of trouble. Lord, we Look to you for wisdom so we can be successful in this life. We, we thank you for all that you have done and all that you're doing and all that you're going to do in the future. And we pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would bless this next half an hour and that you would just speak through me that words that the people here need to hear to be encouraged, to be motivated, to uh, come into the relationship that they need to have with you, that you would just be at work in their life, Lord, and make them fully devoted Christ followers. We pray for your help and your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so it's Christmas time and it is a really hard time for pastors this time of year to come to the Christmas message because I've been in ministry for 21 years, I think. And you come to Christmas and Easter and you've, you've, you've said it before and it's, you come to the Christmas time and you're like, what can I say that's different? Not that it needs to be different, but you just think to yourself, you know, don't want to say the same thing again, but maybe it would be good to say the same thing Again, so this year I set off on a quest to do something highly unusual, to do something that um, maybe if it works out really good, maybe I could print it in a book, I don't really know. Or maybe it's just messy and confusing, confusing, we will know when we're done. But I came up with an outline based on Christmas. And I couldn't, without making you jump back and forth between passages in your Bible, uh, get Chris, C-H-R-I-S-T-M-A-S, or like it says on my shirt, 
like that's so my Christmas shirt. I couldn't get it all in, in, in order, so it jumps around. So it's almost like playing bingo. So it's like Christmas bingo, but you're all on the same page and you're all getting the same letter, so don't jump up and yell bingo when you get the last one. And I know that some of you are going to be sitting there with your little outline, trying to guess what words go in there. I know some, some of you have admitted that you do this. You try to figure out what's going in there. So I tried to make it interesting enough that you wouldn't be able to figure it out. All right, the true meaning of Christmas. Now, do you get excited about Christmas? Do you come to Christmas time and you go, yay, Christmas time. Oh, I just love every part of it. Or do you go, well, it's Christmas time. I suppose I should put the lights up on the house and I suppose you've got to decorate a tree and you've got to have all those people over, got to feed them something. And I suppose the kids are going to want some kind of gift. And you go through that whole thing and you're like, oh, I can't wait till it's over. I don't know where you're at in the whole Christmas Thing. But I did read an interesting uh, survey of the stress and sickness caused by Christmas time, and it's not supposed to be like that. So this article uh, from, la- from, 20, uh, yeah, from 2015 uh, talks about people being stressed in the United Kingdom, and it says that 20% of people find the experience of hosting guests and preparing for Christmas meals and festivities completely overwhelming. A third of women feel more stressed through December than any other month of the year. Maybe that's you, and I hope that you can just lay your stress down and just focus on Jesus for just a little bit. 3% of people suffer an electric shock due to badly wired Christmas lighting, and 1 in 50 fall out of the loft trying to get the tinsel and decorations down. 2.6 million people have even fallen off a stool or ladder while hanging up the decorations. 700,000 people have been injured in a sale rush while trying to snag a bargain. And it goes on and on. So I haven't gotten my power bill, but I'm really hoping that what they say about the LED Christmas lights is true, that they don't use much power, otherwise I'm going to have a really big electric bill because I plug those things in in the beginning of December and I just, I just leave them on. So I'm not putting my hand in the wet and the water that gets near those lights, so I don't want to get shocked, but I'm hoping they don't use much energy, just wanted to shine the light. Well, the light of Christ would be good. Uh, In the news right now, a family in Pennsylvania had made a nativity scene and put a big sign above it that says Jesus, in which their homeowners association said, that's not acceptable, you have to take that down. So, uh, what a mess. So you can't have Jesus above your manger scene because it's not an acceptable Christmas decoration? I don't know. But there is stress at Christmas time. And it's not meant to be that way. It's supposed to be meant far as the church is concerned, to be a celebration of Christ's birth and his virgin birth. And maybe he wasn't exactly born on December 24th, 25th, and maybe he wasn't exactly born at this time, but it's a time on the calendar, a cultural time when we celebrate, a time that you get off work, a national holiday. So make the best of it and proclaim Christ at Christmas time. Think about Christ at Christmas time. Give Jesus a little bit of your time and attention at this Christmas time. So the true meaning of Christmas. First, look at the C, the Christ child. The Christ child. So C is for Christ child. Matthew 1.18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. We see Jesus coming as a baby. He could have just come down from heaven high and mighty, and said, hey everybody, I've come to die for your sin, go ahead, put me on that cross, crucify me, and then I will be out of here, 
and that will be taken care of. Bill's paid, don't worry about it, see you later. But instead, Jesus came humbly. Jesus was prophesied to come. He was born into the world. He was born into lowly, poor conditions. He was talked about. People are like, Messiah? No way, man. You're that carpenter's son. We know who you are. Jesus experienced all these difficulties. He had the temptation in the wilderness, but he had all sorts of other temptations too. He went through difficulty. He knows what it's... The Bible doesn't talk a lot about his younger years. And maybe the reason for that is because if there was like a plotted out map of what Jesus did at each age, then moms and dads would be sitting there going, well, it says here that Jesus was reading when he was two. How come you're not reading when you're two? And it says here when Jesus was four, he was really good at sports. How come you're not good at sports at four? Or something like that, you know, some kind of comparison. There are some kind of extra biblical works that claim to state what Jesus did at different times, but you can't really rely on those. God has given us the information that we need to know about Jesus. And he was born to a virgin. He was born to Mary. He was born without sin. He was born perfect. He lived this life without sinning. He was the perfect sacrifice because he lived a sinless life. He is a model for us to follow, but he can also, and I think this is the best part, he can sympathize with us in our weaknesses. He has experienced cold, hunger, persecution, there's even one part in the Bible where his family comes and gets him. They think Jesus has lost it and said, and they're, they're like, have a family intervention. And they're like, Jesus, you got to come home with us. You know, you're just, wow, you need some help. Come, come on home. <laughs> and so Jesus suffered and went through all of these things. And he totally understands the stuff that you're going through. Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. This is Jesus, and he understands what you're going through. He understands the pain of loss. I mean, you see Jesus wept, and um, he was sad for the people all around. But I mean, you think about loss. I mean, his friend John the Baptist was beheaded. That had to be really hard on Jesus. Um, you just see this pattern of Jesus going through the difficulties of life and being, and being faithful. The thing that really we could follow from his example is he was constantly going to the Father in prayer. And it's like, well, wait, if he's truly God and truly man, if he's truly God, why does he have to go to the Father in prayer? Why does the Holy Spirit have to help him? Because he set aside his powers as God to be the Christ man here on earth and to show us how to live. So he was constantly relying on prayer and the Holy Spirit was empowering and motivating him. And so he was doing the right things, things that we need to do. So we can look to Jesus as an example and know that him being born as a baby was the way that God had planned it and the way that uh, he is able to totally say, you know, I understand because I've been there. I understand because I had a similar experience. I understand what you're going through. So uh, don't always think of Jesus as a baby in the manger scene and leave him there. Oh, poor, poor powerless, meek, little infant Jesus. No, uh, you need to be thinking about mighty King Jesus who's coming back. And, uh, but know that he started that way and it was for our good. C is for Christ child. H. Holiness, maybe? Holy Spirit, definitely. Through Christ, we experience the Holy Spirit. So, 
I was going to go with holiness, but there is no way that any of you can be holy without the Holy Spirit. You can try all you want. You can live a list. You can do everything that you want to say, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. But you will not be all that God wants you to be on your own. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 1.19, because Joseph her husband was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph is like, hey, Mary, we're going to get married. It's going to be what? But not a little wait, girl. You're pregnant. It wasn't me. You got some explaining to do. Joseph was a righteous man, didn't want her to be uh, persecuted, didn't want her to be harmed, wanted to put her away quietly. Uh, But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. God is at work. The Holy Spirit was involved in creation, as was Jesus involved in creation, and involved in uh, the immaculate conception of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit was at work to bring Jesus at that time into the world through Mary and Joseph. And the Holy Spirit is at work in us. The Holy Spirit does amazing things in our life. The Holy Spirit is uh, something that we all receive when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him but you know him because he lives in you now and later will be with you. So Jesus was telling his disciples, the Holy Spirit is working with you now, but he's going to be coming, he's going to indwell you. And then in the book of Acts, you see the Holy Spirit came upon them. And when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit. And we need to yield to the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit seals us in our salvation until the final day of redemption. When we receive the Holy Spirit, um, we are empowered to, do, to understand what God's will is, to understand what God's word says, to live out the Christian life. We are um, given spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit so we can accomplish God's purposes in our life. The Holy Spirit convicts people of sin, uh, both the believer and the non-believer of sin in their life. And the Holy Spirit does many other things. But we get the Holy Spirit as a result of Christ coming. Salvation. S is for salvation. At least the first S here is for salvation. We need to be saved from the penalty of our sins. We need to be saved from what we would become without Christ in our life. Have you ever stopped to think about that? Think about when did you first find out about Christ? When did you first hear the way that you're supposed to live for Christ? How did that change you in your behavior? If you hadn't had that life-changing experience of being born again, of being saved, being made a new creation in Christ, and you hadn't started to live the Christian life, where would you be today? What kind of person would you be today? What would your motivations, aspirations, hopes, dreams, assurances, uh, confidences, what about, you know, trying to think about why are you here on this earth? Or uh, what happens after you die? Jesus Christ answers all that. And when we are saved from our sin, when we are saved from who we would become without Christ, it makes all the difference in the world. Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost, to save them. Uh, A definition of salvation would be the deliverance by the grace of God from eternal punishment 
for sin, which is granted to those who accept by faith God's condition of repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus. So we can be saved. In the book of Romans, it says that we are all sinners. It says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It says in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. And then it gives us an opportunity and tells us what we need to do to be saved. Jesus coming into the world was to save us. Matthew 1, 21, she will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Uh, the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Have you ever come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Or are you still somewhere along the way? Are there people that you know that are still somewhere along the way and you haven't asked them, ask them if they'd like to come into a personal relationship with Christ? What's keeping them from coming into a personal relationship with Christ? Do they know what they need to do to come into a personal relationship with Christ? Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Salvation is for us. Christ came that we may be saved. Christ came so that those of us who are saved would take that message to others because God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children that come as a result of them trusting in Christ and being saved. Salvation for us. I is for Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Matthew one twenty two. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So God with us, to have God available, to know that God is there for us. In Isaiah 61.1, there was a prophecy that said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives that will be released and prisoners will be freed. So Emmanuel means God with us. Emmanuel, it was prophesied, it was expected to have the Messiah come and to live among the people was something that the Jewish people looked forward to, hoped for, looked for. And they had a different idea that he was going to come as a military ruler and just make them number one in the world. Instead, uh, Jesus came to give us an opportunity to become number one for all eternity. And that is an exciting thing that Christ has done, that God would be with us, that God would be revealed to us through Christ. In Hebrews, it says that Jesus is the exact, is the radiance of God's glory, an exact representation of his being. Isaiah 7, 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and give give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel. To be able to foretell that, to prophesy that seven, almost 800 years before it happens. You know, an interesting thing in some forms of Christianity is prophecy. So there is prophecy of Old Testament, like Isaiah prophesying what Jesus would do. And then there's people that claim that they can prophesy in our lives, the prophetic movement. It's a little different. So I see Scripture for the New Testament believer as prophecy being the foretelling of God's Word, taking Scripture and applying it to people's lives and having Holy Spirit insight to know what verses to apply and how to help them, to be foretelling the Word of God. 
where some are saying, you know, I'm, I've been gifted to be prophetic and let me tell you I had a dream or let me tell you God told me to tell you that this is going to happen. And it almost seems like they're trying to be fortune tellers and tell you what's going to happen in the future, which would be cool if it was true all the time. But in the Old Testament, it said that if you're going to be a prophet, you have to be 100% spot on. Otherwise, they should take you outside the camp and stone you. So be careful when people are talking about prophetic things, about prophecy things, and know that the Holy Spirit can move you to speak into other people's lives, and the Holy Spirit can give you dreams that can make a difference. But just be careful, be, be watchful, and know that prophecy is usually foretelling God's Word instead of foretelling the future. Unless it's Old Testament talking about Jesus here, and Isaiah was spot on. So, Emmanuel, God with us. Truth. T is for truth. What is truth? We need to know truth. Truth is not simply whatever works. The philosophy of pragmatism, ends versus means. In reality, lies can appear to work, but they are still lies and not truth. Truth is not simply what is coherent or understandable. A group of people can get together and form a conspiracy based on a set of falsehoods where they all agree to tell the same false story, but it does not make their presentation true. Truth is not what makes people feel good. Unfortunately, bad news can be true. Truth is not what the majority says is true. 51% of a group can reach a wrong conclusion. Truth is not what is comprehensive. A lengthy, detailed presentation can still result in a false conclusion. Truth is not defined by what is intended. Good intentions can still be wrong. Truth is not how we know. Truth is what we know. Truth is not simply what is believed. A lie believed is still a lie. Truth is not what is publicly proved. A truth can be privately known. For example, the location of a buried treasure. The Greek word for truth literally means to unhide or hide nothing. It conveys the thought that truth is always there, always open, and always available for all to see with nothing to be hidden or obscured. The Hebrew word for truth means firmness, constancy, and duration. So Jesus came to teach us the truth, to show us the truth. John 1.14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. In John 14.6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. There's people in our culture all around us that say that what is in the Bible and what Jesus has said can't be true, is not true. But by faith, we take what Jesus says is truth. And if we apply it to our life and live our life according to the book, under the power of the Holy Spirit, it will transform us and change us. And the devil is the father of lies. He wants to do everything he can to sidetrack us, to try to shut us down, to make us feel so guilty we don't want to serve God, or to make us feel unworthy, uh, to cause us great confusion. So Satan is all against the truth, about lies, uh, trying to deceive us, confuse us, and Jesus is truth. We follow truth. Jesus is the truth. Truth shown to us at Christmas time. And with that comes revealing, which is kind of the same thing in the realm of truth. But it's interesting to me that you get uh, Simeon, who has waited his entire lifetime, promised by the Holy Spirit that he would see the Christ child, the the Messiah, before he died. Later, when uh, Joseph and Mary take Jesus to be presented to the temple for uh, dedication, Simeon is there, 
And he sees Jesus, takes him in his arms, says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. When Jesus came, he came to reveal God to us. He came so that we would be able to understand the message. After he left, he gave us the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to help reveal God's ways to us, the ways that we should live, who God is, the character of God, what Jesus is like. So there is a revealing that comes at Christmas time. John 1.4, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He reveals God's ways to us. You understand at the bottom of the screen where it pops up in green, that's, that's where we are filling in the blanks. It's kind of jumping around. All right, so when we have the message, the message to share, Christmas is not just about, you know, you getting stuff. Matter of fact, it seems like kids get a lot of gifts. Usually the adults don't really get gifts because they could buy themselves whatever they wanted anyway. So they don't get the true gifts that they really, you know, make them jump up and down and say, oh, I'm so excited. Oh, it's just the best Christmas ever. It'd be interesting to go around and have you fill out on a little piece of paper what it would take to get you the best Christmas ever in your mind to have you jump up and down and what it would be. I would guess that most of you would write down stuff that doesn't have anything to do with money. It's probably got something to do with relationship or family, kids, health, future, something. Forgiveness, healed, hurt. Uh, Something would be the best Christmas ever. And when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he covered our sins, the sins of the past, the sins of today, and the sins for tomorrow. And we have that message to share now, the angel showed up to the shepherds who were lowly and not like they were kept outside of the city because they, they didn't smell very well. I don't really know what a sheep shepherd smells like, but in one church I was at, we had some hog farmers, and if they would come to church wearing the shoes that they were wearing with the hogs, you knew what they did and where they had been because they smelled. How did they smell? To me, I thought they stunk. To them... They're like, son, that's the smell of money. I'm like, well, if you could leave the smell of money in your car and change your shoes before you come to church, that'd be awesome. Messages share. Luke 2.16. The shepherds, they heard from the angels, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Be like the shepherds. Take what you know and go tell everyone. Don't be like pastors on Christmas that say, well, I've already said it before. Everybody's heard it before. Well, tell them again. Tell them again. Tell them the way that it affects your life. Tell them why it matters. Tell them why they need it. Tell them what God is doing in your life, a message to share. Mary kept these things to herself for a while. Uh, Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. A is for adoption. When Christ comes into your life, you don't just get to be a churchgoer. You don't just get to become a religious person. But you get to be adopted into God's family. You know, our culture says, oh, we're all God's children. And the Bible says, no, actually, you're children of the devil until you receive Christ as your Savior. Then you're adopted into God's family. We have an opportunity to be adopted when we come to Christ. Adopted, Galatians 4.4. When the right time came, that's a weird thing to think about at Christmas time too. Jesus came at just the right time. 
What if he came now? I mean, we have more social networking. We could cover it on the internet. We could all watch it on our phones. The shepherds could tweet. They could Instagram. They could Snapchat. They could do all sorts of things and say, check it out. Angels in the sky. Jesus right here. Google Maps. But instead, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, we have this opportunity. I forgot totally where I was now, but it's pretty... Pretty excited on the whole thing. Oh, at just the right time, yes. At just the right time, God sent his son. Okay, God's, okay uh, just the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who are slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, and now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir, adopted through Christ, when we come into a relationship with Christ. And finally, the last word is not Santa, but sanctification, which is a theological word that means being set apart to God, set apart for God's purpose. Uh, holiness, set apart for holiness. First Thessalonians 5.23, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because Christ came, lived, died for our sin, rose again, sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's a deposit on our salvation. He's working out our sanctification. So positionally, we are sanctified, made right in God's eyes. So it's all taken care of. The bill is paid. We're right in God's eyes. Practically, from day to day, we fall into sin through the Holy Spirit and living the Christian life. We have this continual progressive sanctification where we are set apart to God and we live through Christ. It'd be a great study for a different day. And then there is a complete sanctification when Jesus Christ returns and we, are, we get our glorified bodies and everything is made perfect. So a lot of people, they don't like Christmas time. They want to get rid of Christmas time. They don't want to talk about Christmas time. They want Christmas out of the schools. Just recently, a few days ago, someplace in China, they said, you know, no Christmas celebrations because Christmas is the spiritual opium for those people. Christmas is a pretty awesome thing. But people that are against Christ want everything to get rid of it. But just think about without Christmas, okay, just real quick, without Christmas, there'd be no Christ child. Without Christmas, there'd be no Holy Spirit nor holiness. Without Christmas, there'd be no revealing of God's ways nor rejoicing. Without Christmas, there'd be no Emmanuel. It means God not with us. Without Christmas, there'd be no salvation. Without Christmas, there'd be no truth that we know that we hold on to. Nor with truth, there would be no abundant life. Without Christmas, there would be no message to share, nor hope to trust in for our future hope that gets us through. Without Christmas, there would be no adoption. We would not be adopted as children of God, nor angels on your side, which also starts with A. And there would be no sanctification without Christmas. So what can you do with that? One, you can receive God's gift to you. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. To receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's nothing that you do. You can't earn it, buy it, work it through. You can't live a list. You can't do everything perfectly or get an education to, you know, say that you learned it. Instead, you trust God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. So I came to Christ by praying something like, Lord Jesus I realize that I'm a sinner and I've sinned against you. Please forgive me of my sin and come into my life and save me and make me the person you created me to be. I want to follow you. And that opened the door 
into a relationship with Christ. And all those things happened, adopted as a child of God, made a new creation, received the Holy Spirit, assured heaven. All that stuff happens just for asking, receiving God's gift. Your gift to God, Romans 6, 11. You should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Don't let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Give yourself to God. Look at the new year and say, this is how I'm going to invest myself into serving and living for and giving back to God in the coming year. Think about that at this Christmas time as your gift to God. So the worship team is going to come up and we have our Christ candle. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So I will light the Christ candle and the worship team will sing. Well, Pastor Chris is lighting the, the candle here. I'm going to ask Pastor Chris to stay up here. I'm going to ask Julie to come and join him, please. In Scripture it says this, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for work of ministry to build up the body of Christ till we reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son. So as Pastor Chris has talked about us being uh, uh, given the gift of Jesus Christ, um, Jesus has also given us, Pastor Chris and Julie, as a gift here at our church to help and equip us. And uh, we did not solicit a, a gift for them. But uh, spontaneously, a gift has come in, and we want to give that to Pastor Chris and Julie. So thank you for your service. We love you so very much. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Thank you. We have a message. Now we need to go shout it from the mountain. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. We meet 10 a.m. Sundays at Chatfield Elementary School on 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.